You're listening to The Inside Scoop with Novell. Welcome to The Inside Scoop. I'm Dr. Rita Simmons, business developer and Novell founder and senior consultant. This is the fourth and final episode in our series titled Roadmap to Starting Your Small Business. So if you've been with us through the entire series and you followed our roadmap, then congratulations because your business is up and running. You've registered your business at SAM.gov and now you're eligible to compete for federal work. And if your company qualified, you uh, learned how to apply for special programs for things like uh, women-owned small business, minority-owned small business, 8A, and uh, other programs that really are designed to help you expand and grow your company. So now it's time to talk about the numerous avenues that exist for your small business to sell products, uh, maybe it's equipment, expertise, or different types of services to the government. So um, what I've had to do throughout this entire series is to put in a disclaimer, and that is it's almost impossible to cover every possible method for federal procurement in a very short podcast. Uh, The methods that you would use for your business are going to vary depending on the type of products or services that you have to offer, uh, the experience of your company, and then uh, your company's financial structure. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, But what I'm going to do is try to do my very best to hit a variety of procurement avenues and then give you a list of resources so you can explore these options and then determine what might fit best for your company. Also try to give you some examples along the way of what may fit for different types of of, uh, services and products when we talk about certain types of contracting. So what is step number one in learning uh, to get your foot in the door with the government? Well, the first step is to find your target government customer. Who is it that you want to sell to? What type of agency or organization? And I can tell you right up front that not all government agencies need your product or your services, as as you might understand. If you have a lawn service, those customers uh, may be different than someone trying to sell a medical piece of equipment. And so depending on what you are selling, uh, you need to identify that agency that would be your best target customer. If you went through the business plan uh, development exercise that we did in the first uh, podcast episode, uh, then you should have identified generally who your target customers are. And then that's just a matter of taking that and uh, overlaying that onto customers within the the government. So relatively easy. If it's a hospital, for example, uh, that you would like to sell heart rate monitors to, obviously the military, so the DOD has hospitals, and you can start mapping those on a one-to-one across the government from the civilian side. Uh, There are other ways that you can find out who your ideal customer might be, and there are websites that contain uh, what agencies spend how much money on what types of products and services. So this could be a great way to find out who you might target. Uh, There is one website called usaspending.gov that will outline uh, contracts that are awarded to different types of companies. There's Federal Procurement Data System, the next generation. 
it does the same thing and it will also show you the companies that won and how much those contracts were worth. There's the GSA acquisition gateway. So uh, the government schedule services uh, that will show you what contracts are gonna be available, what types have been awarded to what agencies. And then many agencies release what's called a re recurring procurement forecast. And so uh, let me give you an example. The Defense Health Agency runs all the medical uh, procurement for across hospitals and, and for the larger organization. And so if you're looking to sell some sort of medical supply, equipment, or service, uh, the Defense Health Agency, DHA, releases a recur recurring procurement forecast uh, to show what it, what types of contracts for what types of services and what amount and what time frame should be released over the next uh, couple of fiscal years. So uh, these are great ways to find out what has been spent or what is uh, going to be spent in the future on types of services. Uh, one final uh, route is when you signed up at SAM.gov and you got into the government system, uh, there's also something linked uh, to that called FedBizOps. Uh, it's Federal Business Opportunities. And this is a way that you can sign up to get email notifications for contracts that are coming out uh, for bid. And it will allow you to set up uh, an email notification alert and you can explore by agency, by particular command or a unit, by location, by type of service. And again, it will send you that email to let you know what contracts have been released or are going to be released uh, for bid. That will give you an idea of the agencies and what they're looking for to help you target uh, who you may be selling your product to. So the second thing you need to do uh, before you can get in and start selling is you need to understand the rules of government contracting. So that is our very first thing about understanding how to work with the government in particular is to know the regulations. So when you registered at SAM.gov, uh, somewhere in the middle of the process, there was a long list of regulations there that they asked you to read. Well, they really did want you to read those. Those regulations, uh, most of them started with the acronym of FAR or CFR. Those are the rules and regulations that govern a company's actions while they're perform uh, performing as a government contractor. You have to abide by those. A lot of them uh, may be fiscal law. They're auditing. Um, it, it is a, a lot to take in, but that, it, that those are the rules of the road that you have to abide by as a contracting company. So make sure that you know those and that you're ready to abide by them as you're going after business. Second, I would recommend you seek some expert advice on government contracting. You know, we discussed many of these uh, organizations during the last podcast, but the one source I'm going to re-mention here is the SBA. They have an excellent learning program uh, for companies that are just getting started in their government contracting journey. And I really highly recommend watching some of their videos, attend a couple of their webinars, and complete some of the learning modules on how to work with the government. I think you'll, you'll really find them uh, enlightening and very useful in making sure that you're on the right track. So once you feel like you've got a good handle on 
kind of how the contracting process works, what certain terms mean, all that that you can find out through this the process we've just discussed and a lot of it at the SBA website. So once you once you feel like you have that down, the next thing you want to do is uh, number three is identify your best procurement avenue. And as I said at the beginning, there are a lot of these. Uh, so we really need to um, define whether you're selling goods or services in general. And this will help you uh, somewhat define where you go with purchases. So the first category of procurement is called a simplified acquisition. Now, this includes, as it, as it might sound, pretty simple purchases is what the government calls micro-purchases that are um, like less than $10,000 through the Smart Pay program. Uh, folks that are old school call this the government credit card program. It's, it's been revamped and it's now the Smart Pay program. And this is one way that the government can buy supplies and equipment. It's run by the GSA. Uh, and like I said, it, it's the old government purchase card program. But if you want to sell supplies and equipment to the government and you think most of those purchases will be less than $10,000, this is a great way to go. There's no red tape. There's no competition required. Uh, you find the group that you want to work with. You have supplies they're probably going to need. And you will be able to sell those um, without a whole lot of hassle. Um, you can... Now, those, that's for supplies and equipment. You can also sell services through the, uh, the Smart Pay program, but there's a limit of $2,500. So if you have something like consulting or training, something that would be uh, labeled as a service, uh, it's, a, it's a limit uh, on the amount, so it may not be useful. Uh, but if it's a small amount of consulting that you're doing, you can certainly do it through that program as well. There are also small contracts that get let through the simplified acquisition process. These are one-time purchases for goods and services. That would be less than $25,000. So um, the government has to put these out on the marketplace and allow for uh, an opportunity for competition. But again, competition is probably much less on these smaller contracts. And you can go in and compete as long as, again, you're in the system uh, and registered with the government. So the next category I want to talk about, these are interagency types of contracts. So hang with me just for a minute. Uh, these, are, these are large contracts and they're often called a schedule. Uh, and these enable individual government agencies a way to make repetitive orders for goods and services that they may need. So if these contracts didn't exist, an organization would probably spend lots of time trying to award individual contracts for things like supplies and services. Uh, so let me give you an example. The GSA has a schedule, and it is a long-term government-wide contract um, with commercial firms that provide, it doesn't matter if it's federal, lo uh, local, state, government buyers, to access more than 11 million commercial supplies, which, which are products and services, at a volume discount pricing. So it's a really good thing for the companies that get on these schedules uh, and for the government who needs to buy a lot of, of supplies, let's say, and they can do it at a volume price. So the schedules 
uh, are an IDIQ type of contract. So IDIQ is in uh, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. So what that means is they provide an indefinite quantity of services, but over a fixed amount of time. So these contracts may last for, let's say, 10 years. Uh, and companies get on these contracts. They do compete, compete to get on them. But there could be a hundred companies on this contract or, or more, just depending. And uh, once you're on, then you can bid to sell your services or your products uh, to the government. So the schedules also allow companies that are both, uh, they have small company categories normally, they'll have large company categories, and they come from a, a diverse um, segment of industry uh, that will be able to supply different types of things to the government. The GSA wants to make sure that there are enough companies on there of varying types that government agents, agencies can find what they need at the right uh, price and of the right type. So once your company, if you compete for one of these schedules, and once you're selected, then you do compete for those orders that are placed by government entities through the schedule. And then you can provide, if you win, you provide those services um, or your equipment uh, to the government. So I know it, it sounds uh, a little daunting, but there's a good description of of GSA and other organizations that have schedules and how those work uh, on the website. Uh, one piece of good news is they used to be much more um, complicated. Uh, in 2021, uh, GSA consolidated 24 different schedules into a single schedule uh, called the GSA Multiple Award Schedule, the MAS. So now they have one schedule the MAS, which has 12 large subcategories, which represent different supplies and services. So this new system, it makes it really easy to sell your products across different types of government agencies. So if you haven't done so, I'd highly recommend you go and visit the GSA website and, and look at all their various programs. Uh, there's probably a couple of programs that they have that would facilitate your small business gaining access to um, lots of different types of government customers. Other types of IDIQ contracts besides the GSA schedule, um, it, it, it can run the gamut for any type of agency or, and the agency needs. So individual agencies, for example, the NIH, they award IDIQ contracts for research support services. Now, there are 27 institutes at NIH, all having different research missions. So you can see where that would necessitate different types uh, of goods and services that those different ins institutes would need. So what NIH does, they streamline access to goods and services across institutes by awarding these large IDIQ contracts that would have several companies on them to allow their different institutes to access the services and the goods they need in a very timely manner and at a predictable cost. So this is a great way for an agency uh, to get a group of companies on a contract to allow uh, their institutions or their units or their commands to be able to get things they need in, in a really a very relatively quick and easy way.
the other category of contracts I'd like to just mention are just regular federal contracts. So uh, the, the government can put out uh, a one-time contract for some sort of a good or service, and it would it could be just issued as a full and open call for uh, anybody to bid on it. Uh, for example, well, we started talking about research, so let's say they need research support personnel uh, for the laboratory to staff that laboratory and run experiments. So they could put out a one-time contract uh, for a particular research project and get people in to help them run those those projects. Pretty straightforward. It could be uh, a one-year, it could be a two-year, three-year. Uh, it just depends on the need and the type of contract being put out. Uh, there are also what's called single award multiple year contracts. So it may be in that same scenario. A single award might be made for research support services. Uh, the contract is um, given to one company that wins, uh, wins the bid for it. The one year is what's called the base contract. And then there would be options for multiple years or out years or option years. And that may be uh, a one-year base with three years of options. So when they start coming to the end of the one year, they decide, yes, we need continuing services so they can uh, exercise a second year and then a third year and a fourth year, depending on how it was uh, awarded. One company or one team wins, and then they get all the work, and the work continues until the end of the contract. Uh, I will simply say there are just too many different types of contracts to cover. Uh, the contracts in this category, uh, as we're talking about, of just a, an open contract, those could be used to buy a helicopter or to acquire contract support staff for nurses to work in a hospital. It is um, really kind of this open-ended discussion. What I could recommend, your best course of action, is to identify your customer how they typically acquire their goods and services, and then spend your time figuring out how to get your company authorized to bid on their work or how to sell your products to them. And so I've mentioned many ways to be able to do that and how to find them, and that's really uh, where your time is best spent. So for the fourth thing that we're gonna talk about is where to look for help, right? So the business of federal contracting really can sound daunting. I know we've only been touching on it today. And quite frankly, it is. When you first get started, it can be overwhelming. But never fear, there's really, there are many ways that you can find help, and most of it's free. There are uh, small business development centers. Those SBDCs, they're located in every state. And what they'll do, they, they advise and they train businesses in things like finance, uh, certification procedures for something like minority businesses, and they provide this all at no cost. And they also, um, I think we mentioned in one episode about one-on-one -on -one coaching and professional business advising and training, they'll do these things for you and help you learn what your niche may be and how to get your foot in the door, how to get started. It's really an excellent stop for a business with little or no experience in federal procurement. Uh, another resource is the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. They're called PTAC. Uh, this is a network of dedicated procurement professionals, many of them having served as government procurement officers. 
and they work to help local businesses compete successfully in the government marketplace. What they try to do is be a bridge between the government buyer and the company trying to sell things to the government. Uh, they're very knowledgeable and they uh, do a, really a great service in helping especially young companies and entrepreneurs starting out to learn how uh, to get access to um, government agencies that may be interested in buying their services. There are 98 PTACs with 300 local offices uh, all across the country, so you should be able to find one near you uh, that would be able to help. Uh, another office, as we've been talking about, some special um, programs like for minority businesses, small business, um, is the Office of Small Business Utilization. So this program is run through, it's got outreach uh, activities in regional GSA offices across the, uh, across the country. And they do help minority veteran hub zone uh, businesses be able to, again, to set up a network to be able to uh, access government contracting opportunities. Uh, for veterans, don't want to leave out the veterans. There's the Veterans Business Outreach Centers, uh, VBUC. And um, these programs, they're designed to provide some entrepreneurial development uh, services. So things like business training, uh, counseling, uh, resource partners. Um, they'll also give referrals out to uh, people that can help them further develop into their niche area. Um, and as long as you are transitioning service member, a veteran, guard, reserve, military spouses, and you're starting your business and you're wanting to learn and grow, then the Veteran Business Outreach Centers will help you do that. Uh, there are, right now, as I understand it, there are 20 organizations that participate in this. It's a cooperative agreement with the SBA to help veterans kind of get off the ground and get going. So if, if you're in that category, it's a, probably a great place to start. Uh, there are two more I want to mention. One is for minority uh, businesses in particular, and this is the Minority Business Development Agency. And so this agency, it's actually... Um, part of the Department of Commerce, and it, its one goal is to help and uh, sustain jobs by promoting competitiveness for uh, minority-owned businesses, so minority entrepreneurs out there, again, trying to make their way uh, in the, the global uh, business world. So they'll provide um, resources, uh, training, and one of the nice things they have is an online system that allows, if you're a mi minority business, you can register in their database and it will give you access to contract opportunities and other resources to help you uh, find your way to getting government contracts. So if you go to the MBDA website, you can find a business center that's near you and they'll help you get started. Uh, lastly, um, the SBA's Women's Business Center. Now this, um, I've had contact with these groups before. They do a really great thing, really big uh, training programs, and they hold uh, conferences and seminars and webinars uh, for women-owned businesses. And also uh, they have very uh, senior and some of them retired uh, women entrepreneurs that get in and mentor uh, women just getting started in business. There is a national network of about 100 educational centers across the U.S. And their goal uh, and their mission is to assist women uh, start and grow their business. So 
just like many of the other programs that are looking to help uh, minority and um, women in business actually uh, level the playing field and get started. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is subcontracting. So, why subcontract? You know, why not simply try to get your own contracts? You get all the business, right? Uh, and maybe in some cases you can for, again, small uh, services types of contracts. Absolutely. You can go it alone. But many contracts require companies to have a demonstrated past performance in government work that has a similar size and scope of that that you're going after. So let's say that you do want to supply uh, laboratory technicians to a research lab and um, something you've never done before, but you have the ability to do it. Often these uh, contracts do require past performance before you can even bid. So it's really difficult for, very, for new and small companies to demonstrate that level of experience. So a company, that performs as a subcontractor though to another company, you, you don't have to have this past performance. Basically, you can, you can uh, almost ride along for free if the, the larger business is willing to take you on as a subcontract. Uh, but if your team does win, you're able to claim this win for your company and you can start getting, um, besides just getting your foot in the door, you can gain experience but your company becomes more competitive for future work because you gain that past performance from that teaming effort. Eventually, then you're gonna be able to go it alone. So one method of finding a teaming partner is through informal contracts, right? You can reach out to people you may know that are in a large business that maybe perform a similar service. Find out if they're accepting small business partners. Just be sure that you can sell them on why you would be a good add to their team. You know, you, you provide a niche area that they lack or an expertise that they may need to bid on certain contracts. So sell the value of your company and you may be able to get in with them. If you don't know anyone, there are some resources you can use to try to get in the subcontract. There's the SBA subnet. That's a database uh, run by the SBA where there's a listing of subcontracting opportunities that large companies post and some other non-federal agencies also use to post. And so you can go in and look, see, is anyone in an area that I could fit with looking to uh, bring on a small business as a partner? You can also go to GSA. They have a subcontracting directory. And if you'd like to get a subcontracting opportunity with some company that's qualified to work inside the GSA system, then you can get linked up with them and um, potentially get on as a, sub a subcontractor with one of the GSA prime contractors. And just remember that large businesses by law are required to have a small business subcontracting plan and um, give part of their business to small businesses. So large businesses are often looking to bring on partners. And the last thing I, I want to mention is the Mentor-Protege program. So this allows a small business to partner or team with a large, more well-established business so they can learn how the government works and you can gain uh, insights into how to write proposals, how does, you know, what, what does the government language mean inside a request for proposal? You know, how do I interpret 
what the government wants and you know how do I go after getting that the mentor protege program teams your small business with a large business that can help coach you through the process and kind of take them and build you along with them as you guys work through uh, developing uh, contracts together uh, there's an application process for this for companies to get into this program and this relationship but i will tell you if you're new to government contracting it would be a very worthwhile thing to investigate and see if this would be an option for you and your company now i know we've covered a lot of material today and we really were only able to scratch the surface uh, learning how to gain the government as a customer or client really it's a it's a long road but I hope that you've seen that there really there are a lot of resources to help guide you through this journey and at the end it can really um, be very worthwhile so in addition to the SBA and other groups don't forget that Novell's here to assist you get your business off the ground or to navigate the complexity of working with the government so if you have questions or you need assistance don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn and via our website at Novell Online. Um, so reach out if you need our help and we are, we are happy to be there. Uh, please subscribe and check out our website and social media to find more resources for running your small business. So until next time, stay positive and stay focused.